Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Piccolo. Hey, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Piccolo, and here with Remy. What's going on, Remy? What's up, brother? How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thank you. Uh, this is turning into a half SEAL, half Army, half police show, but hey, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if you like That's it, awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Everybody has really good stories for whatever their background is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. You have had a varied background, and that's that's for sure. I, I read part of your book so far. And nice. You grew up in uh, all, all over the place, right? And you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, I was actually I was born in uh, in Africa, Western Africa, Nigeria. Um, I was born into wealth. Um, my dad was uh, a chief in the Yoruba tribe, but he was also a very smart, brilliant businessman, and um, he engineered one of the first man-made islands in the world that exists to this day and it's known as banana island and so because of his success uh you know i, I was born into wealth i was born in opulence traveled the world cars nannies drivers kind of lived on a compound had it all but uh in 1987 when i was five the nigerian government stripped our family of everything so we went from uh rich to poor and my dad died within you know days and uh, that's when my mom picked up and moved my brother and i to the united states and i grew up in the bronx and i was pretty much in the bronx pretty most the rest of my life until I ended up joining the military. Now, was the military something you always wanted to do, or you just kind of said, hey, you know what, I want to get out of the Bronx, looking for a change? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a survival decision for me. Um, I hated the military, hated, you know, and the concept of the military and authority and, and you know, that sort of thing. And um, But, you know, I finally came to the realization that if I don't, if I don't leave this place, I'm gonna end up dead or in prison. So it was, it was a survival decision for me. That's that was the only reason why, why I left. Now, were you like, uh, you know, really physically fit before you went in, or did you no. know you're like, hey, I'm gonna join and be seal, and man, I'm good to go? No, you know, it was. No, I was, I was pretty skinny, man. My whole life, I was, I was, <laughs> I was a skinny guy. But the funny thing was, you know, when I would work out, I, I would put on muscle really, really fast. I remember. One, one year in high school, I took like a weightlifting class and like within two, like a month and change, not even like within a month, like people were like, Remy, what are you doing? Are you on steroids? I was like, no, I'm, I'm just working out, <laughs> you know, you're just working out and, and I, I would put on muscle fast. But um, after the weightlifting class, I stopped working out and I shriveled back down, you know, I put on muscle fast, but I also lose muscle fast. And uh, so when I went to go join the Navy, I was actually like super skinny. Um, but uh, you know, I just, just had this 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 mindset that said I don't care if I don't qualify, if I, I don't care if I'm not qualified, you know, to to be a seal. I'm gonna figure out how a, a way to get qualified so that I could achieve my dream. Well, it's essentially, you know, your dream has been achieved. I can tell you that now. You know, yeah. I, I look at your background. You have a bachelor's now, mm-hmm. master's. Yeah. You know, great family. You're now a published author. Yeah. Navy SEAL with combat deployments. I mean, what is next? I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I'm a writer now, man. So I wrote my book by myself. I didn't have a ghostwriter. Didn't have a co-writer. Wrote it all myself. Um, and uh, that when I after writing my book, I was just like, man, like I think that this is my next 
this is my next avenue of writing. And so I, I got into film writing and uh, I wrote a, my first film, which is an espionage thriller and uh, put that, sent that out to some people in the industry. They loved it, said, hey, you got something here. You got a franchise here. So um, now I'm actually in talks with some people to get that turned into a film. And then I'm, and, uh, I started writing more films. I'm writing a, a, a second film now and a third film at the same time. Um, um, I, I'm adapting my book into a screenplay. Uh, so that's the third film I'm writing. And so that's that's the next path for me, man. Just living the life of a writer. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. That's uh, <laughs> about six months ago. I kind of hit the same thing. And I was like, you know, two years ago, I told myself, you know, someday I want to write. I don't know what I'm going to write, uh, yeah. but I'm going to write something. I remember I have a Facebook post or something like that. Yeah. And then exactly two years later in October, I said, I'm starting my first book. And then I, I wrote it, no ghostwriter, and uh, nice. you kind of tell, you know, I didn't get it edited at the end, but yeah, man, that's that's the next step is writing. And I find a lot of us that have this military, you know, law enforcement and adrenaline packed background, we kind of find out that writing is like a really cool avenue, man. No, absolutely, and you know, and my thing is, you know, I've read so many scripts and I've seen countless films, especially action films, spy films, military films. And it's just like, you know, you always, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this. You always see something in the film. We'll see a whole lot of things in the film. We're just like, that's not realistic. That wouldn't be said that way. Why are they saying that? And so, you know, as one, one of the, um, seeing those films and, and seeing how military and government agents and other people are portrayed, I was just like, man, I, you know, I could, I've lived it. I think I could write it a lot better than these guys who have, you know, they, may went to school for writing but uh it depends on what type of project i'm writing you know let's so remy tell me how do you how do you write do you just kind of you know find yourself in a small spot in your house and say hey you know what i'm going to sit down for the next hour i'm going to write out a screenplay and work on it daily yeah you know i, I you know i have an office in my house so uh, uh i have an office where i work out of and and so what i usually do part of my writing big part of my writing process is is um is research you know, uh, I don't start writing a word until I've spent hours, hours researching, <laughs> uh, because I found that the more I research, the more visual um, I can make scenes or characters or events or places, uh, because I'm a visual learner. Um, that's the way I learn. And I like to paint pictures and I can't paint a proper picture without having all the information, probably more than enough information. And so that's the first part of the process for me is research. And then uh, from there, then I start at my outline. Now, um, I don't, I try to write organically. And what I mean by that is I have an outline. I have like a, you know, a way to attack it, but I try to be fluid because so often my outline changes. You know, I was saying, let the story tell the story. You know, uh, the story has, you know, it, it, it you know, lives a life, of, a life of its own. And so um, I just try to allow the story to tell the story while still trying to stay in the guidelines of the outline, but sometimes it completely changes. And then, you know, um, some people, they can only write for like an hour or two hours, three hours, four hours. Man, I I can write as long as I can, man. I mean, there, there are times when I will not, like I remember when I was writing my book, for example, I wouldn't go get up to use the bathroom for like six hours. Like it was crazy. And I would have to force myself to get up to get, get something to drink or to get something to eat or to use the bathroom or whatever. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah, I find that's the biggest thing is you don't want to lose that train of thought because you're like, you know what, this is absolute gold, and you're like, oh man, if I if I take a break now, I'm gonna like totally lose my track. Yeah, I always yeah. find myself emailing notes to myself, taking notes everywhere. I'm like, oh, that'd be really good. 
It, it's a crazy process, man, but it's worth yeah. it. I mean, absolutely. I, I, most of the time I write just so my kids will have, you know, who know who their dad was. You know, it's one of those things. Something else. So what it, what inspires you to kind, kind of get this drive? The name of your book is Transformed. So, And you've obviously transformed from, you know, your youth to all of a sudden, like, you know, to this really successful man. What inspired you to get to that point? I think it's a combination of both. I think, you know, one, you know, my mom, she always, when I was from the time I was a young kid, she always preached excellence. You know, Remy, whatever you do, do of excellence, don't halfway in. And so um, what keeps me moving forward is just that mindset that, you know, I'm going to strive towards perfection. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but, you know, I'm not going to settle for a subpar life. I'm not going to settle for a subpar company. I own two companies, one of them being a production company. And I'm not going to settle for some poor, subpar, you know, uh, days. <laughs> and so that's what drives me um, every single day is just this just, 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 uh, pursuit for excellence. And then, you know, I've had... I've been blessed to serve with a lot of great people, um, specifically, you know, men and women who have died, you know, um, some in war, some not. And uh, just thinking about their legacy, you know, and and, and, and and wanting to do them proud, you know. And, you know, for example, um, I talk about this in my book, but when I went to go join the Navy, I had warrants out for my arrest. And um, my recruiter, Tiana Reyes, you know, she, long story short, she took me to the judges to get my record cleared, and she pretty much snuck me into the Navy. And if she didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And uh, she died four years after doing that. So for me, you know, I, I, every day I'm just like thinking about her, think about other guys. Like, man, I, I got to keep pushing forward. I got to make them proud. I, I you know, I got to make sure that you know Tiana will always know and you know what, that she made the right decision in doing what she did for me. You know, uh, it, it wasn't a waste. You know, so that's another thing that drives me. And then my kids. I have three sons. Um, my oldest is five. My middle is four. My youngest is three months. And you know, I grew up, you know, not, you know, in the Bronx, you know, my mom struggled financially to provide for my brother and I, and, you know, it was no, no fault of her own, you know, just my dad died and, you know, she had to figure out how to, you know, put the pieces back together. And so for me, every day, I'm just like, I'm, I'm grinding away hard because I want to make sure that my kids have a better life than I could have ever imagined. And so, um, those are, those are the few, uh, re- things that kind of guide me and inspires me to keep charging forward and keep transforming and keep, you know, being open to new opportunities and, and being open to tackling an opportunity that may not be qualified to tackling. I mean, acting is a great example of that. When I, when I was cast in trans, when I received the phone call to be in transformers, I wasn't an actor. I was in grad school finishing my master's. Um, but you know, I just said, you know what, I'm going to be open to this opportunity. And I was open to it and it opened up so many doors for me. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I noticed that like a lot of like uh, I hate using that type A, but a lot of motivated, grinding, hustling people—that's what I'll call it. Yeah. And our community end up in—we kind of all run into the same network of, you know, whether it's acting, writing. It, it's so like part of the arts. It's really weird, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's really cool. Now I wonder if, it, in a way, if it's some sort of stress mechanism, stress coping mechanism. You ever feel like, you know what, hey, I, I need to keep hustling just to kind of, you know, just to keep me positive and, you know, have a lot of different avenues? Uh, no, I don't feel like there's any stress that, uh, you know, puts pressure on me, so to speak. Um, it's just my way of life. Um, I, you know, again, I think it, it, a lot of it goes back to my mom and what she instilled in me at a young age. 
you know, um, people ask me all the time, Remy, where do you get your perseverance and your resilience from? Where do you get this mindset to keep pushing, pushing, pushing? And, you know, I had a living example of it every day of my life and watching how my mom did what she did, you know? And so through osmosis, it's just, it's just second nature to me <laughs> to, you know, you use the term hustle, but to, to, to push, to push, to push, it's just part of my nature. And then when you get into the SEAL teams, not even when you get into SEAL teams, when you're in BUDS, you know, basically on the war demolition SEAL training, you know, striving for excellence is like, it's mandatory, you know, for, for the for the guys, you know, who are just subpar, who are just meeting the standard, checking the box, they don't make it, you know. And so, you know, that coupled with the way my mom raised me and, you know, and then coupled with the fact that I want to be successful, you know, that that's what really um, pushes me, you know. Yeah, we always need something, some sort of that keeps us driving. And my parents were the same way. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, they have that parents or they have a brother or someone. Um, I like to backtrack to the story of the, how you got into the Navy. And, you know, that's <laughs> imagine you took another step. I mean, it's just it's crazy that you showed, you know, that one recruiter kind of pretty much saved your life. Yeah, no, she did. She did. She she did. Um, it, she changed the trajectory of my life, and I'm, I'm internally grateful, you know, to her and, and her family. As a matter of fact, her family has become my family. I was with her daughter uh, yesterday, and I told her daughter, I said, listen, you're my daughter, you know, um, because her dad's not in her life. Her mom's dead. Um, she's being raised by her grandparents now, and so I was just like, whatever you need, you know, just know that that I'm here for you, you know, and, and, and that goes back to what her mom did for me. You know, if her mom didn't do what she did for me, I want to be where I'm at, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm able to do whatever I can uh, to, to to make sure that she has a positive, great life. Nah, I really respect that. That's awesome, man. Now, are there any organizations or anything that you support like that? You know, whether volunteer or socially or anything like that that you want to? Yeah, talk about? yeah. I uh, I work with an organization called the uh, City Hope uh, uh, in San Diego. Uh, the, the website is cityhopenow.org, and it's a it's a mentorship nonprofit. You know, I go into inner cities and you know, just hang out with kids, hang out with kids who are you know who have who don't have dads, um, who are you know the, the at risk youth, especially in school. These are some of the kids who are always getting kicked out of school, and you know, especially I'm just in their life, just trying to show them that you know what, there's a whole another side to life, and um, you can make it out but you got to put in the work. So, you know, I'm a mentor there. And, uh, and then I do go to prisons and jails and speak. I was actually at Rikers Island uh, jail um, this past week on Tuesday, um, speaking to all the inmates who are graduating high school. So um, yeah, man, I just try to do as much as I can with all that I have. Um, I also help out with other nonprofits, you know, not, not on a, uh, you know, on a consistent basis, but, you know, like, like this week, yesterday, I was actually helping out with a nonprofit called uh, Brave Minds Project. And it's a traumatic brain injury. Um, nonprofit that helps, you know, provide a better life for those who have been struggling and counseling and other resources for those who've had traumatic brain injuries. Um, and so I just try to do what I can do when I can do, but the, the, the nonprofit that I work with primarily is called uh, City Hope Now. Awesome, man. Now, how did you get involved with going to prisons and stuff like that? Because that's something I'm really interested in as well, because we need, uh, you know, as much as people kind of say, lock them up and throw away the key. I am a... yeah. A, a true believer on that there's so much that we could do to reform uh, a lot of inmates and, and uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was interesting. I, it's, 
just like I got in that acting, man, just like I've gotten so many things I've got. It was a phone call, man. Somebody reached out to me. Um, uh, you know, it was this ministry, this organization called God Behind Bars Ministry. And so they reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, we've heard your story. Actually, yeah, I had spoken at um, Celebrate Recovery, uh, Celebrate Recovery um, um, event. And so so uh, this, but when I was speaking there, um, this guy who worked with God Behind Bars said, listen, man, your story could really resonate with people in prisons. Uh, would you be open to it? I said, sure. And, and uh, just give me a date and I'll be there. And that's how I kind of got into it. Uh, it was a phone call. And uh, and then how I got into Rikers, you know, it was again, it was a phone call. This woman read my book and she was just like, wow, this guy's story can impact these guys. Um, she worked at, she works at Rikers Island jail. She reached out to me on a whim on Facebook and said, Hey, can you, can you come speak to these guys? And I was just like, sure. So, um, how I get into it is, <laughs> I, I, don't even, I don't even know if that's a good answer. Cause I, <laughs> I, I don't get into it. It's kind of like one of those things that gets into me yeah. I get into phone calls and I'm just open to the opportunity. Well, you know what? If anybody's listening from that, uh, from those programs, give me a heads up because I'd I'd love to talk. When yeah. I uh, when I got back from the war, literally about forty five days later, my brother was incarcerated, and uh, he died in 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 jail. And I was like, oh, man, wow. if I could go back and you know make a change and tell anybody about you know there's something else out there and everything that you know maybe I would be able to save someone's life. So I love that. I love programs like that, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and all it takes is one. And you know, I mean, as you know, every, every everybody's not going to listen, right? Um, and that's just something that I've come to terms with. And my heart and my passion is that every single person I do speak to, whether in a jail, in a prison, or juvenile, or you know, kids I speak to at schools, is that they would all listen. But sometimes it's just about speaking your heart for that one person who will listen and uh, who will have you know a, a positive transformation in their life. And you hope it's like the ripple effect, you know. If you if you touch one person's life, they touch another one, and it just keeps going. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know, kind of like what happened with Tiana. You know, uh, Reyes, my recruiter, yep, she yep, touched my exactly. life, and now you know I'm out here able to touch many lives. You know, through my story and uh, through speaking and, and and serving. Yeah, I, I love that. That's what, I love the title of your book, man. It's just awesome. Thank and you. I I Thank love you. your story. It's you know I. I I was uh, we were talking before we started recording and about uh, Eli Eli Crane from Bottle Breacher. Yeah, and you he, he's got the drive too, man. He's he's you know he's in a process of writing an awesome book, faith based book right now. Yeah, um, and he's got a lot of drive, man. I I love seeing the community. Just and it's not and everyone I've talked to has something else that they're doing that's not just for them. I mean, like your book is going to help transform other people. Yeah. Eli's book is hopefully to help transform people. It's to help the community. And, you know, Absolutely. every single one of us that at least within the circle is out there trying to do the good thing, man. Yeah. No, I really absolutely. appreciate that. Absolutely. Because, you know, it just gets to a point where, you know, you could write a book or tell a story or speak uh, for one of two ways, either to edify yourself, you know, put money in your own pocket or to, you know, edify others. And to inspire positive transformation in others, you know, and for me, that's, you know, I've, I've been blessed, to, you know, in my life and I don't feel like I need any more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my goal is to just kind of get back, you know, and, you know, be the change that I want to see, you know. Now, is there anything before before I let you go? I know you were super busy. Your book uh, released last week? Uh, last month. May 14th. Oh, last month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still, man, you were hustling with this thing. I love it. Yeah, man. Is there anything you want to um, kind of put out there? 
yeah, just, you know, all listeners, just keep pushing. Don't give up, you know. Um, none of us are immune to failure. If you read my book, you'll notice that it is nothing but a book. It's a book about a man who failed over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but that's okay. You know, failure is only a failure if you don't learn from it. If you learn from it, it's a lesson. So take that lesson, apply it, and use that lesson to get to success, you know, um, because that's what I did. And, and, and the only reason why uh, I am where I am at today is because I mastered the art of failing. Um, so it's not the end of the world. Never let your failure define your future. Again, just find a lesson within that failure to use for your future and uh, continue mission. Awesome, brother. I like that continue mission. Now, where yes, can sir. we find you? I know you're on Instagram. I follow you all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the same. Remy Adelake. I was blessed with a unique name. Uh, so I don't have the official Remy Adelake or, you know, or Remy Adelake 1 2. It's, it's just Remy Adelake. You can find me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we can find you on Amazon. We know that. Um, yep. Bar- yeah, book, books at Amazon, Barnes and Noble online, Barnes and Noble's bookstores, indie books. Um, you can find wherever books are sold, you know. Now, do you have any signings coming up or, you, or anything like that planned? You know, that's I, I get requests from so many people all over the country for a signing. And what I've been telling people is I, I have done a bunch so far, uh, mostly in San Diego. I've done a, I've done one in Texas. Um, I've done one in Atlanta. Uh, or two in Atlanta, actually. Um, obviously, I've done I've done one, some signings in New York. Um, but uh, yeah, I tell people in the other states, you know, set it up, set it up, yeah, and I'll get there because it's just so hard for me to set up these these signings all over the country. So uh, I tell people, if you set it up, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome, brother. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks you. so Thank much you. for coming on. No, uh, thanks for having me on, brother. <laughs>